Hi, welcome to Shrinkrupt. I'm Allison Colarossi here with Dr. David Colarossi, and we are here to talk about all things pop psychology, and more importantly, what is David doing with so his I'm really, life? I'm really into The Bachelor right now. I'm all things Bachelor. I know. It is like ruining my life right now because I just don't understand. I do not understand the concept. I don't know why you'd ever put yourself in that situation, and it causes me a lot of anxiety. When you're driving down the road and there's a car accident, don't you like to look over and see what's happening? I feel like The Bachelor is a, a, a week-by-week chance to look at a social car accident. So that's why you like it. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a, an analogy. I think, it's, I think I'm like, a, I'm like I, it's, this is probably why I got in. The, the unflattering truth is that one of the reasons why I got into psychology is because I, I like to know what's happening in other people's lives. And the bachelor was like a huge social experiment that I just get to watch. But it's not the best in people. Like nothing. Like I don't feel like I don't feel like it's bringing out the best in those women at all. Like it's bringing out the worst in them that they're going to have to relive for their whole lives, which is so terrifying. And also, I don't think it brings out the best in that the dude. Like he's just making out like. What I is, think he's willing to suffer. He's willing. He's, he's willing, willing to, to suffer, but like, <laughs> I mean, like we're in, we are in pandemic times, and also they they quarantine. There's no COVID there. I know, but STDs have to be rampant in there. <laughs> like he's making out. Like you can't. Like that's just gross. That would be hilarious if at the end of the show they said like, so one of these women had herpes. You don't think that's happened? They've tested everybody. I'm sure it's got to be a totally clean group. Gotta be. No. The liability. How do you test for herpes unless there's an outbreak? I think you can, I don't know. I don't spit. think you, no, I don't think All right, so. we're, this, we're derailing this. <laughs> Allison is not a fan of the bad. I keep trying to make her watch it with me. She will, she It refuses. causes me a lot of anxiety, and I don't know why. I can't pinpoint it. I wish I, the psychologist knew. Do you have a thought? Of why you don't like it? Yeah. I'm high empathy. That's my thought. You're high. Like you think you you think you care about the. You think it's cringe. You think it's cringeworthy. Like you and you don't want to feel the cringe. I cannot believe these women put themselves in that situation. Like um, like if they really really felt those feelings for him, they would not be like okay with him going on dates, one on one dates, and making out with all kinds of women. I do think it is from a from a truthfully from like a psychological standpoint, their level of investment in some guy that they have essentially zero exposure to. Right, they learn about him, and then they get they get like, I mean, a combined, you know, over the course of the show. I mean, they, they probably get a combined day with him, you know, a, a combined two days with him total, maybe. I mean, so far, it's hardly any contact, and they are head over heels in love with this guy. And it are isn't, they? I feel like I would be so turned off by him if I met him just because, like, he's making out with everybody. You don't have any quality time. He's being intimate with all those people, supposedly, like. Which is, can I just tell you, is hilarious. Be they're, vulnerable. They're, and they're this like, guy is, you gotta get closer to the microphone. This <laughs> guy is heavy, first of all, he's heavy makeout, and he really wants everybody to be very vulnerable for him. That's like his test. Like, are you gonna be vulnerable with me? And if you're not, you're out. I'd be like, thing. peace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me tell you how bad it sucks to be in this house, okay? I think, I don't think he would last very long. <laughs> I know. I would, I would definitely not. Like, I couldn't wear... I couldn't get dressed up every night like that. Like, who has that many evening gowns? 
They wore a different evening gown every night. You didn't I think notice that they provide them the gowns. You do? Uh, for sure. For sure they provide them again. Well, since COVID started, I can't be bothered to wear anything but stretchy pants. So Allison I would be like, a- I'm doing this whole bachelor thing, and Allison is, like, not embracing it the way that I, I would have thought that she would have. She's I not know. feeling my, my, my bachelor focus. I don't. I can't get into the bachelor. But there's a lot of things that I can't get into that lots of people are into. But you're into my 600-pound life, which I can't. I physically can't sit. I, I hate that show. Well, that... And you watch it's sister, a and you watch Sister Wives. Okay, Sister Wives. I do like Sister Wives. She's like trying to act like she's like a little bit, you know. Six hundred pound wife, Sister Wives, below deck. Oh, I do like below deck. That's yeah. true. I like it. you're not and anything with a costume. Yeah, like. I like historical fiction. All right, so I, <laughs> I'm into The Bachelor. Mm-hmm. What, can I say one thing that I think is interesting about The Bachelor, just as far as, and I've talked about it on one of these videos, but what I think is super fascinating about how attractive they are is I think it's because, it's not because they're trying to please the camera. I think it's the anxiety tied to the camera. I think the anxiety of being filmed leads people to have all of the physical symptoms of being sexually aroused. And as a consequence... They think they're in love because you have this misattribution of arousal. Well, that's that, my theory. I I find that theory interesting, but it is interesting. But I don't feel like I don't feel like when I'm super terrified, I'm aroused. <laughs> that's because you know you're terrified. But if you were to evaluate how attractive I was, there's like so much research. If you experience a traumatic event with somebody, the rate of falling in love with that person is very high relatively compared mm. to just interacting with a normal person when you have a, when you experience trauma it brings you closer together and part of that is you're so fearful that in that moment you connect with the other person yeah i also heard that doing new things with people makes you fall in love with them yeah where did you learn that you're gonna have a good place you learn it, and i'll tell you where i learned it. it's not a good place where did i learn it i don't know where you learned it i think i learned it in psychology like a I learned it from Neil Strauss. Oh, that's no, like that's that's what <laughs> I. <laughs> I so read Neil, that book too. <laughs> Neil Neil Strauss, who is like a fantastic author, wrote for Rolling Stone, wrote uh, wrote the Dirt, the the Motley Crue documentary. I mean, I love him. <laughs> wrote this book called. I want to say it was called the Bible. The pickup artist Bible, whatever he wrote a book about how to be a pickup artist, where he embedded himself in this pickup artist culture, and. He learned all the different tricks to how to game women. And when I used to be a therapist at a, on a college campus, I had multiple boys come in and be like, this is how I'm getting girls now, and I'm using the game. And so I read the game, and it is the – I'm trying to think of what, like, the – it's a it's a horror – like, it's a hor- – the message is – it couldn't be worse. Even I was – I mean, I was like, this is – Beyond misogynistic. It's a terrible book. I read it because you told me to read it, and I did yeah. not like it. It's not good. Yeah. But one of the things they talk in there, talk about in there, is that you want to psychologically and make your date feel like they've dated you for a long period of time. So you do this phase shift where you take them out to breakfast, and then a break, and you go to some other new location to lunch, new location, dessert, new location, afternoon activity, new location, dinner. And by the time you get them home at night... They've been on seven different dates. It feels like they've dated you for seven weeks, and they're more likely to sleep with you. It's a terrible book. Why did you have me read that? I think because it was very popular, and I, I was interested. In, 
I don't know. It was a long time ago. That also caused me. Yes. (laughs) He then, by the way, then he wrote a book that was the opposite of his first book saying, I'm sorry, that was a disgusting book. Anyway. Anything you want to talk about as as it relates to Rachel Hollis? (laughs) Yes, I did her coaching this week, her New Year's coaching. It was so good. Well, it wasn't actually... It was mediocre. I wouldn't say it was so good. I, she starts, so she goes, hey, I'm going to do this Rachel Hollis thing. And she lo- loves Rachel Hollis. So she's, I'm going to do this Rachel Hollis <laughs> thing. So I take the kids for a few hours so she can do this coaching program. I, I must have been gone for 15 minutes and I call her and she's like, hi, I'm, I'm, how are you? And I'm like, I'm good. How are you? Oh, it's good. I go, oh, are you, are you crying? <laughs> and she goes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. I was crying because we were doing a gratitude meditation, which is like a beautiful. It is. But so we have to give, I think we need to give Rachel credit where credit's due. Yeah. So that was good. And so it was, it was a good coaching, less professional than like there was a couple, there was more than a few mishaps in it. There were mishaps in it? Yeah. Just like too much like giggling and stuff that wasn't related to the coaching. Um, You know, though. At these events, the person that I always appreciate listening to is Dave Paulus, and he was noticeably absent <laughs> for me. I was really? like, oh, he's not in it. <laughs> yeah. I thought that, so is he totally out of the Rachel gang? I don't know. She talked about, like, her emotions last year, and one of, like, she had four, one was fear and anger. She talked about her, you got to get more context. She talked about her emotions last year. Yeah, she was just talking about, like, how would you talk about your emotions last year? And she said hers was, like, I can't, she had four, but one was fear and anger, and there was another one, and then there was pride. But the the anger one, no, 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 sad and anger. She was sad. She was sad for the loss of her marriage. She's like, there was a lot of anger tied up into that, but she made that decision, and she feels like she made the right decision for her. She feels like she made the right decision for her kids and also for her family. Um, and uh, sorry, and for him too. So it's just interesting because I I do appreciate him speaking. I I I think he's kind of um, cheesy most of the time, but at the conferences he is a great speaker. I think he's I think he's super cheesy, but I I I, I, I am not I am not inspired by him, but. I, I, I do think that his the, the ability to, ca- to create content every single day, I follow him on Instagram, every single day creates content. I mean, yeah. That's its skill. Mm-hmm. Sure. But yeah. can you, you got to talk about, like, what did you learn? Just, like, what did you experience? Well, I, I mean, nothing was much, very new. But the one thing that I thought was interesting is she like she brought up the Enneagram, which always makes me laugh because you hate. She me. did. Yeah, and she talks about the Enneagram threes, which are the achievers. It's the world's worst assessment, <laughs> and I'm going to link my video up here. There was there was zero data supporting the Enneagram, zero. Even if you go to like the test site of any of the Enneagrams, they will say not a lot of science here. It feels good, lots of fun, but no science. All right, go ahead. But she always, she kept like going back to how her achievers need to calm down, like achievers and blah blah mm-hmm. hustler, fellow yeah. achievers and hustlers, and um, I think that that's not me. No, I don't think it is. 
How come I'm not that way? I want to be that way. Why, why do you want to be that way? <laughs> an achiever? You, would, you can achieve things without being an achiever. So what's the difference? What, is, what are they talking about? Well, I don't believe in the Enneagram, but I think what you're <laughs> saying is that some hyper-competitive, you know, type A type of person. That's a ch- box checker? I don't, know the, mm. I don't know the definition of a three, but I think that you can, you're, you're like equating it to success. Yeah. Well, you could be a successful and be another number. Okay. I mean, that's a silly, do you know, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So the, da- the dark side of being an achiever is that it, I'm assuming it can, it, I am sure that it consumes her life. I'm not a three. Yeah. I'm like a helper or something on that thing. Well, you took it? Yeah. Yeah. And so she, you know, she talked about how important it is to go through gratitude practice, which I agree. It does make you feel better to do that. I got to think about all the people I'm grateful for. Did you spend extra time on me? See, look at you're on it. I feel like I could have taken up a little bit more space on me there. A lot of other, <laughs> there's a lot of other people there. Your number the other thing that she that was good was like doing a vision board with your kids for the year, which I thought was a great idea. It's like on Pinterest, like what do you want your year to look like? It'd be interesting to see what Enzo wanted to put on his vision board. It'd that probably be, be ninjas. That would be, that would be a cool thing to do. Do you think we should do that? Yeah, that'd be good. You could do it on Pinterest so you don't have to do magazines, but um I think you should do it. I think that'd that, be fun. But I'm just so curious what would be on his vision board. What do you think? He's really into skiing right now. Yeah, be all skiing. Be skiing and ninjas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, but what... So besides the gratitude board and her emotions over the last year, what's the... Like, what was she having you do? Um, She just went through, like, you know, she reminded us about the 80-20 principle, which... Um, she says 20% of your time towards something produces 80% of the result. And I've heard that I used to be in sales and I've heard that like 20% of your customers will give you 80% of your business. So you need to focus your time. I'm still a little confused by that principle as far as life. Like I understand like being able to target 20% of your top writing customers and then like ignore the rest. But what do you like, how do you do that? Like 20% of the time I spend with you will produce 80% of the worth of my relationship. How does, I don't get that. Yeah. So I think it, I'm going to butcher this. And so anybody listening, sorry, I'm going to get this wrong. I think it's called, I, I, I don't know why I want to call it the Pareto principle, but I think that that's not that what That is what called. she called it. Is yeah. Called? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it comes from farmers. I believe like in particular, like soybean farmers, <laughs> but they found that, you know, 80% of the yield of their crops came from 20% of the of their plot of land. Yeah. And then that principle applies everywhere in life, in business, whatever. And the idea is that you should be sort of focusing on the 20% that yields the most. But if you think about it, like in a relationship, the idea would be that 20% of the time that we spend together is the valuable part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think is true. 80% of the time, we're not even talking. We're just like moving around the kitchen, getting crap ready for the kids. That's not building our relationship as much as if we actually sit down. Mm-hmm. And so if we were to look at, if we were to audit our day and go, this time is the valuable time, we should make sure that we're doing that versus saying, oh, we watched TV together, so we spent time together today. Mm-hmm. I think that's the idea. Okay, well, I like that. What about how do you, would you do it with fitness? 
I don't know. You're the fitness person. You're like the most, well, let's talk about that. You are like the most diligent exerciser, worker outerer that I, I've ever encountered. You're, I'm just you consistent. Are, I'm not like. I said. I think I said, didn't I say consistent? You said diligent. All right. <laughs> diligent. Consistent. I work okay. out. I'm oh, sorry. What, what's mm-hmm. the same thing? What do you mean? Does diligent make you uncomfortable? No, I don't know. I just didn't know if it applied. All right. You're hyper consistent. I think the argument would be, as far as the 80-20 rule, would be that there's probably most of your gain physically happens from 20% of your activity, which is true. Like, if you look at me in the gym and you'd be like, you spend all the time on Instagram and watching the TV in the gym versus actually lifting weights. Yeah, you know? that's not what you do. It's <laughs> an expensive membership for that. What? Okay, but how are you so consistent? Oh, well, like, I feel like that, I mean, I've always been into fitness, but I feel like when I first read, like, Rachel Hollis's book about trying to do 30 minutes a day, I feel like I've just consistently stuck with that. So that's, like, one piece of my life that has definitely become a habit and is um, obviously missed if I don't do it. So I wish that there were other things in my life that I was that consistent about. So let me, let me I'm going to push you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Talk more about why, how do you, what is the mechanism you're using to, or that you used to make it a habit? Why does that work for you? Why does making it a habit? Because I did, I've done it. What did you, you used a strategy or a technique. A lot of people try to work out uh, for an hour or a half hour a day, and most people don't. So you did something from a mindset standpoint or a behavioral, you did something. I I just held myself accountable because, you know, like we always, we will come up with excuses and, you know, basically break promises to ourselves all the time. But like I decided that I wasn't going to break that promise to myself. Plus I don't think I'm nice if I don't work out. Agreed. I really don't like there's definitely a there's definitely a big difference if if Allison is working out and now Allison is not in my stress levels and being able to be present for my family. Like if I get my workout done in the morning and don't have to think about it or feel good all day, like I can definitely be more present for you and the kids when I do that. I yeah. So I think that I think. I mean, you work out way more than I do, much more consistently than I do. Yeah. Not as hard, though. I feel like I'm consistent, not hard. That's probably part of the problem for me, though, is that, like, it's not fun for me when I work out because I'm not, like, I think you you have a sustainable cadence to it. But I think one of the things I think you do that maybe not everybody does, I know that I don't do, is you, the fact, you just said it right there, that you're connecting how you feel to the workout behavior and so, like when when we when we think about like how do you actually change behavior, usually it's tied to anxiety. Distress leads to behavior change. Mm. And if you can link your feeling bad or your mood or whatever to working out, then then when you feel distress, you're blaming it on the fact that you haven't worked out. And so I think the fact that you made that connection, like I'm not doing what I want, I'm not behaving the way I want to behave as a wife or as a mom. Or, or at my job, if I'm not working out, like yeah. you're creating a pain. The, the pain point for you is clear, and the solution is clear. I think a lot of people don't create the connection 
So when they just feel like crap and they're not working out, they're not connecting. It's because I'm not working out. They just didn't yeah. work out and they feel like crap today. That's a good, that's a really good point. And I feel like that man, that has also evolved with diet too, for me. So like, I will not, I rarely eat unhealthfully anymore because, um, I mean, I eat chocolate. No, all that's the time. true. No, she doesn't. This is, this, now I'm mad. This is what she does is she goes and she buys a whole bar of chocolate. <laughs> Like the the dark chocolate sea salt with like little almond <laughs> shavings in there, she gets it and she has I she has five calories of this bar and then she puts it in the freezer and then she goes to bed and then I'm up at night working I make myself a decaf coffee, go get a little piece of chocolate and I knock down three quarters of that bar <laughs> in one night and it throw and the. I can't control myself like you. But you don't feel bad. Like, I I feel like if I eat unhealthfully, my energy is so bad. And also, like, sometimes I get depressy if I, like, eat so bad. And then my stomach hurts. Like, nothing is working right. It's like when I don't sleep. So, you know what I think my mechanism is? I get up and I get my coffee. And there's such a habit of work and coffee. And then once I have coffee... Like the snowball's rolling, and I need like some kind of little snack, a cookie or a coffee or whatever. And then I go, David, it's 12 o'clock at night. Do you really need to have a chocolate bar or a piece of a chocolate bar? And then I think, you know, I'm married. Like, she's not, I don't think she's gonna divorce me if I gain 10 pounds. Like, does it really? Yeah, that goes through you your know, head for I real? Think, I don't think it goes, not for real, but I do think that if I, Felt like you were gonna leave me, <laughs> then I wouldn't eat the chocolate. Like I, that's I, that's what I mean by the anxiety. I, I don't think that I link up me getting a little bit heavier with any significant out, negative outcome. Well, you wouldn't you have that I mean? outcome, but I think that's like a weird. Well, that's what I mean. That's what I mean by the anxiety okay, driving it. But what about okay? Here's the other thing. You and I don't drink a whole bunch. Like. We probably yeah. drink more in our youth, but I feel like our alcohol consumption has gone way down. And I think um, it is because, well, you never feel good. And I, like, I feel terrible if I drink now. Like, yeah. terrible. And I don't like it. So if I'm drinking a beer, I'm just going, okay, this is 150 calories for. Everyone's annoyed by us by this. But this is true. Like, how do you not feel terrible the I next day? I awful. I just I can't get behind it. We have some friends that just, like, have fun getting, like, really drunk. And I'm like, how do you handle the next day? Like you have little kids. They uh, don't do care. They, do they don't it. care yeah, if you're hungover. Just charge ahead. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, I felt like the conference was good. Um, good things that I want to get back into. And um, like I want to get back into getting up early. It's just been really hard lately. So I think that's where I've dr- I feel my best when I get up early, one of the things that she brought up, which I thought was super interesting and always good to think about, like what time in your life did you feel the best? Like emotionally, physically, all around. Okay. And, and if you have to bring it back to high school, like let's come on, oh, like well. recently, when did you feel, like, physically, emotionally feel Wait, the best? did she like, say, like, ah, 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 you can't do high school? No, that's me, because, I, like, oh. I feel like... All right, I, when did I feel emotionally best? And physically, like, you had the most energy, you were excited, 
You felt good, positive. You felt good in your own skin. Like, what were you doing? I feel like I... Well, I don't know. What was your answer? I think I was... I think I feel the best when I'm... When I am sleeping, eating well, exercising. And I, I honestly think I feel the best when I'm intermittent fasting, which I don't really like to do that much. Yeah, that is not my... That is for sure not my... <laughs> Remember that one time we did a 36-hour? Th- that was so terrible. <laughs> yeah, we did a 36-hour. Yeah, that was brutal. <laughs> I think I felt best... When I, I felt best when I was lifting weights. Or I feel be- best when I'm on some kind of workout regimen. But when I, but the periods of my life when I've been on like a, a workout regimen, I don't know that, I've, I, that I'm always as like intellectually stimulated. I feel like I get hyper-focused on one thing and then I don't do other things. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know that, that this, that the parts of my life when I felt physically the healthiest, I don't know that I don't know that I felt intellectually as engaged. I wish that your fitness thing could be in moderation. Like you're so all or nothing that like. Okay. By the way, I I run at least three times a week. You do. You're, it's not like you don't do oh, it, no, but you're like when. It sound like but, I'm like, okay. just laying on the couch. So, but can you cancel your gym membership? No, I'm gonna go to the gym. It's just a little COVID kind of COVIDy over there. That's what I'm saying. Cancel till COVID's done. They made me. Okay, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then they, the one thing that I thought was good, too, is if you feel like you need to fit more in your life right now, what would be the trade-off? And there's going to be trade-offs. So, like, if you want to exercise more, then, like, you may need to lose an hour of sleep. Yeah. Yeah. That's, my, that's the trade-off that I would do. Yeah. What, what's your trade-off? I feel like I want to get up earlier so I can focus on, like, other things outside of work, kids, and family, like a passion. I think it'd be so good for you to, I would like it if you focus on a passion. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, it doesn't have to be whatever But it's hard because it, it's hard because of the time. And like, I, I feel like the emotional, this, and this goes back to emotional energy. Like, I feel like the emotional energy outside of work and, and family and stuff, like, I, it's just like, trying to remember all that stuff i don't give myself that time like just i still have to like address all those thank you notes things like that like i wouldn't give myself time until that's done and that's never but it's the that, list like, is endless why don't you choose this why don't you choose a passion versus doing that for so for enzo's birthday party he got a bunch of presents and allison bought like whatever it was like 26 20 whatever 30 you have 30 different cards that you're filling out with enzo Mm-hmm. Like you're the best mom in the world for doing that, and I would rather walk into oncoming traffic <laughs> than than do that. I mean, like it takes it's per good, card. It's good it's to like teach five him minutes. gratitude, though. Oh my god! But the burden on you, like it's a tax. It's a taxing thing. The whole thing is a burden. Like everything that's, about but it. That's what I mean. Like maybe that's what you instead of getting an hour. But I, I feel like you're so exhausted by the end of the day because you're doing stuff like that. Like but, you, you could spend the same time with him, and play trouble. But I'm not. I'm trying to instill like gratitude for him. Like I think it's a good. That's like a good etiquette to instill. She also, okay. You also uh, do a Spanish box with him and our two year old. I which requires 
calorie burn on your part to do. I enjoy doing Spanish with them. I do. I've like re I like I one of my majors was Spanish and I really enjoy Spanish and I I feel like I'm learning. Or, or, or I mean it's I think it's good. Like I'm not being critical of that. I'm just saying that I think you at the end of the day you hit the pillow and you're exhausted. And I don't, I don't think you do anything. There's no except for working out. There's no like Allison time. time like there's no time where you just have the energy to focus on what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like I do have energy at the end of the day to do that because I feel like I'm not doing things like, yeah. Now, now you could argue that if you weren't doing it, then maybe I'd have to do that kind of stuff. But I, I would argue that you don't have to do that stuff at all. You can buy pre-made thank you cards, just make him sign his name and be like, thank you. Say thank you. Thank you. you know, I mean, come on. That's so hard what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here's some facts I found that I think would be interesting. This is a true-false? No, I just want to get your thoughts on, um, like, young kids are purposely overdosing. Like, recently, like, 12-year-olds on, um, they, like, learn because of COVID, they're at home, and there's probably, like, mistreatment. Like, mistreatment can mean several things, like being abused sexually um, also being neglected, being abused physically. So the kids are trying to kill themselves. Yeah, at a young age, and it's gone up exponentially. Yeah, I believe that. And um, alcohol consumption from 2019 and then into 2020 has gone up 252%. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? And yeah. so kids are probably like seeing their parents cope with covid that way and they're not in school so they they have let the the article was saying they have less supportive like adults around them that and it's crazy. like so terrible like one of the stories they were telling was about a 12 year old that had tried to overdose on tylenol and he was like well i just needed to get away like he was clearly being abused and he had no other way out so sad so. I don't know what to say, but that's that's I believe it. I just felt like we should bring that up. Here's another thing that should be interesting. What is the difference between worry and solving a problem? The difference between worrying about a- action? The difference is action? Yeah. Like some people think that they're solving a problem when they're just sitting there worried and perseverating. So, you have any thoughts on that? I, I mean, I don't, I don't have, those are, like, both. Because I have I friends agree. that are worriers, and they're just probably, they don't, just don't do anything to just sit and worry. I yeah. think I can do that. You should, yeah, you should just worry about things that fall within your circle of influence. If you can't influence something, you should probably not worry about it. And if you can influence it, then you should influence it. And if you worry about stuff, are you just causing yourself anxiety? If you're just sitting there worrying? Yeah. Yeah. So how do you stop worrying? Action. What if you can't influence it? What if you're worrying about something that falls outside of your circle of influence? You can't control it, but you're worrying about it. Then what do you do? I don't know. What do you do? I don't know. That's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But that's, the, that's, that's where the conversation always goes. Like People always go, I don't want to worry about this anymore. And it's always like, well, you, you know, do X, Y, or Z. But if, if something is truly outside of your, out of your control... Mm-hmm. there's very little you can do beyond distracting yourself 
or figuring out, you know, if if worrying serves you in some way. But you know, other than that, it's it's hard to stop. So you got to wonder about all these people that like sit and watch the news and get worked up politically all the time. I think the news is so bad for people. So I think it's not only do I think it's bad uh-huh. for people to watch, but I think it is a massive waste of time. It, it to me it, it is I know and I know this is sort of like counterculture. Everybody thinks you should be you should be aware, mm-hmm. but I think you could watch you could read the paper on Sundays for thirty minutes and you'd get a pretty good read on what happened over the last week. You do not have to get up every day and read the Wall Street Journal front to back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that kind of constant consumption of the news. And I don't care what side of the political aisle you're on. Consuming the news all the time, I think, distorts your, your, your version of reality. Like you think you're in the news, and these are things that are happening far away from you that you have no control over at all. Does nothing but just burn calories and waste your time. And Well, not only waste your time, but I feel like if you wake up to like negativity like it's it sets you up for negativity all day yeah yeah and And like it's crazy all the people i know that i feel like i feel like people that i talk to i'm like i cannot talk to you anymore like this is like your whole life is negative Mm -hmm. and you're bringing me down but it seems like they like get stimulated by it so like it doesn't make them feel bad but like it definitely like I can't handle it. it. Like goes back to the bachelorette thing. Like I can't. It's too well, much. I think it's very difficult for anybody, myself included, to read and to integrate data that doesn't fit into their pre-existing narrative. Mm-hmm. So when they're reading the news, if they already have that negative slant, it, the news is just saying this is an emergency. This is an emergency. This is an emergency. This and is so bad. This, this is, is bad. bad. This, <laughs> the world's going to blow up. And it, we, I think we sort of, and I think that there's this sense of, I have to watch this. I have to be, you know, Info- I, have to have, informed. I, have, I have to be informed. But it's like, for what? Like, for what purpose? Like, yeah. What are you doing? And I get it. You should be informed once a week. But I really don't think that there's a need for constant consumption. I listen 10 minutes in the morning every day, though. It's not constant, but it's yeah, like you the first time. I don't think you have a problem in this area. Like you're, you're, you have a healthy consumption rate. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you for joining tonight. This was fun. Thank you, thank David. You. Yeah.